This is Theology on the Go, a brief interview about an eternal truth. Everyone with true saving faith, faith that justifies them before God, cannot lose it. That doctrine is not held widely by any other group at the time. Hello and welcome to Theology on the Go. I am Jonathan Master, joined by my friend and co-host, Dr. James Dolezal. We are glad today to welcome a friend of the podcast, an author, the Director of Publishing for Reformation Heritage Books, Research Fellow and Colloquium Director for the Junius Institute for Digital Reformation Research, Jay Collier. Jay, thank you for joining us to talk about your new book, Debating Perseverance. Yes, thanks for having me. Jay, I want to start with something that you mentioned in the introduction, where you say that perseverance is is the distinct doctrine in the Reformed tradition. That's an unusual claim. I don't think people would think of perseverance as having that kind of distinctive role. Could you explain a little bit of why perseverance is, is that significant in the Reformed tradition? Yeah, but when I think of the term distinctive, I think of what sets one object apart from another what property or something that it has that other things don't, it distinguishes it. So when you think about the Reformed faith, is there one doctrine that can do that? Typically, when people think of Reformed faith or Calvinism, they think of the doctrines of grace, predestination, election. Mm -hmm. But when you think about it a little bit further, say, is that really distinctive? Were there other people who held to an unconditional election throughout church history? And even at the same time, during the time of the Reformation and post-Reformation era, and of course there were, there were tons of Augustinians who would have said that. You just go through the typical five points of Calvinism or the, the five heads of Dort, and you start looking at each individual doctrine and you say, okay, did other people hold this? Did other people have held on to this? And you say, oh yeah, wait, maybe they're not all so distinctive. What makes them distinctive in a sense, is when they're all taken together and they form more of a system and they start working together. Mm. But if there's one doctrine in there, it does stand out on its own, and that's, that's going to be perseverance, perseverance of the saints, that says that everyone with true saving faith, faith that justifies them before God, cannot lose it. That doctrine is not held widely by any other group at the time. So it it's distinctive in that it takes root and it begins to flourish within the reformed tradition. That doctrine it flourishes, it grows where other places are coming out and making denials of it. And it it really is a distinctive mark of the reformed faith. Yeah, that's that's a fascinating insight. Now, your book is a is a historical book, and one of the things that you mention, one of the kind of key developments that you talk about here are the Lambeth Articles. And I'm wondering if you could just explain to our listeners exactly what those are and what significance they have for this debate about perseverance. Yeah, the Lambeth Articles were written in Cambridge. They come out of debates that occur in Cambridge University in 1595 and there are a number of debates that are popping up on campus that are dealing with issues of election predestination calling perseverance assurance of faith all these things are are really becoming hotly debated and 
the school does not really want to have all of this frustration and debate, everything inflamed on campus. So they're trying to find ways how to deal with this. And they, going back and forth through debates, they end up, William Whitaker and others, come together at Lambeth Palace, and they're trying to come together with these articles. It says, these are things that we're not going to debate against. You can't, you can't talk about certain things. You can't deny certain things for the sake of peace. So it, it was a, it's a confessional piece, but it's not a confessional piece that was ever meant to be part of the Church of England. It was sort of a restraint on Cambridge and to moderate some of the inflammation that had happened. They're, they're trying to create a theological safe space at Cambridge is what you're saying, Jay, right? That, that's right. <laughs> now, a number of these articles deal with things like predestination, election, but at the at the heart of it is also perseverance. And if you look at the debates that brought about the articles, the two big things that were talked about the most were assurance of salvation and perseverance of the saints. Those were the things that one or two of the guys involved were denying. And a lot of the Cambridge heads were getting very irritated about. And that, so that's why I say that a lot of people, when they're, when they're analyzing the, the document, they're concerned about predestination, these issues, because that's the hot, hot button that people want to talk about today. They don't want to talk about perseverance. So when they analyze those debates, that's what they're looking at. But when you actually look at some of the debates that brought about the articles of Lambeth, you see that perseverance and assurance were really big. And that was really a hot button because it was a reform distinctive and they were battling it out at that point. Jay, I wonder if if we explore this idea of perseverance as a reform distinctive, why was there a debate about perseverance at all if everyone in the reform tradition broadly, and I'm thinking Lutherans in the Reformation tradition and then all varieties in the reform tradition are all reading Augustine. And they are all broadly Augustinian. Why wouldn't someone who was broadly Augustinian, who already, by virtue of that, held the doctrine of predestination, just automatically adopt the doctrine of perseverance as well? Yeah, that's a good question. I think one reason is that that there is a debate on how you read Augustine. And we talk about being Augustinian, like we talk about being a Calvinist. And These labels, they can be helpful. They give you a general idea of what someone holds on to. But there are a variety of Augustinians, just like there are a variety of Calvinists or a variety of Puritans. So within your readings of Augustine, there was a debate on what Augustine actually held on perseverance. I think in the Synod of Dort, when they make their canons on the doctrines of Perseverance, rejection number three, I believe it is, says that we reject the error that says that those who have true saving faith can lose it. Well, it's making it very explicit on perseverance of saints. Not only is it that if somebody perseveres to the end, it's because God's sovereign grace. It's saying it's impossible for them to do otherwise if they have genuine faith. And, And it's rejecting it as an error. 
why wouldn't the English delegation go for that? Because as I think you argued in your book that the delegates themselves may have actually held that view. But why would they not be content with the perspective given at Dort? Yeah, what the English delegates at Dort argue, how it comes up is they're at Dort, there are some draft canons that are given, and all the delegations from the different countries have to respond, and it's kind of a give and take. When they get to those, like rejection number three and seven, they raise objections and they say, well, it's not that we don't believe this, but we're not sure that this should be for a public rebuke of somebody who holds them. And the reasons they give are things like, number one, what are you going to do with Augustine? Because Augustine, there are readings of Augustine that would say that you can lose it. Now, there are other readings in other places, those same English delegates seem to take the the second reading of Augustine that he didn't really think you could lose genuine saving faith. But their argument is, is that there seem to be places in Augustine that could be read this way. And who wants to excommunicate Augustine, right? Right. The Lutherans are not favorable to this. The Lutherans are not favorable to the perseverance of the saints, and they're criticizing it. And this is in 1618, 1619, those years of the Synod of Dort. You're on the verge of the Bohemian Revolt and what becomes known as the Thirty Year War. There are political things going on that you want the Lutherans on your side. You don't want the Lutherans against you because you've got enough political turmoil with other religious groups like the Roman Catholics. So they were under strict orders from the king of England not to do anything at this synod that would that would tick off the Lutherans. And so they raise a thing, you realize that this is going to alienate Lutherans if you say this. And it says there are also pious men within the Reformed tradition that hold this, and they don't name names. I think they're particularly thinking of some of their colleagues back in England, but there could be others. And they said, there are people who hold this. We don't need to come out and publicly rebuke somebody. What the issue here at Dort is that we're battling the Armenians who don't want to ground perseverance in election. And that's really the issue at Dort. We should just leave it at that. That was basically the argument. Hey, Jay, I wonder if just kind of a last question, because I think our listeners might actually have some of these questions, maybe not putting it in quite the same technical language that it was put in in the 16th century. But I'm wondering, apart from arguing over Augustine and the correct interpretation of him and some of the other political issues that were at stake, what were the biblical passages that were at issue here? In other words, what were they doing a lot of biblical argumentation in the midst of this debate? Well, the things that I'm dealing with in the book are more about the debates on how you read Augustine. I didn't deal a lot with the biblical passages that they're dealing with. It's because it's this issue of how you read Augustine one way or the other, because everybody wants Augustine on their side, and they're fighting for the Catholicity of the church and showing that the Reformed faith is, is Catholic, and it's hard to do that if you're going to lop off someone as big as Augustine. So that's basically what I'm dealing with in the book. However, in the background, when they are debating these things, there are a number of passages that come up that that, that they're debating. One of the key passages is in Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, Mm -hmm. 
talking about falling away. Yeah. And that's, how do you deal with that? If they fall away, what's it talking about? Who is it that falling away and in what manner are they falling away? Are they falling away in the sense that they had true saving faith? Is that how you interpret those passages? That somebody that had true saving faith or was it somebody that they had a profession of faith and they fell away from their profession? It's a very subtle distinction, but it makes the difference between perseverance of the saints and the ability of true, genuine apostasy. Yeah. Perennial issue. Jay, thank you for your work in this book. Thank you for your time with us today. The book is entitled Debating Perseverance, the Augustinian Heritage in Post-Reformation England. And Jay, we appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Jonathan. Thank you, James. So, James, here's what hit me about Jay's book. Obviously, it's a technical book. It's a historical book. Maybe has a narrower audience than some things we talk about. However, I was struck by what he said right at the beginning, that perseverance is the distinctive mark of Reformed teaching. There are minority positions, as he explained, but nonetheless, that that's the sort of key thing. I would have said probably election or something, even though I know election was held throughout the history of the church, but that's the thing that we associate with Reformed theology. Right. When people think Calvinism or the Reformed tradition, they think unconditional election. Right. And what's interesting is that you can find strong unconditional election, yes, in the Augustinian tradition. I remember probably the first thing I ever read in Thomas Aquinas, maybe in 18 or 19 years ago, was his article in the Summa Theologiae on predestination. And I was going to to expose this papist for his weakness on this all-important definitive doctrine of Calvinism. Mm-hmm. And I, I was... Uh, really shocked to find that he had a virtually an equally strong doctrine of absolute predestination. I think it's interesting that Jay brings up perseverance mm-hmm. as the definitive mark because sometimes we encounter Christians who dislike all the five points of Calvinism except that one, right, uh, right, which is right. interesting that Jay identifies it as the distinguishing mark. In fact, I had a professor who told me one time, he called those... Um, he called those whiskey Calvinists, and I asked him why he called them whiskey Calvinists, and he said, because they like their Calvinism one-fifth. <laughs> Perseverance, uh, and as Jay makes the case, the distinctive point. I think what also, though, could interest readers or should interest readers with regard to Jay's historical work is just seeing how theology is being done in the context of other national yeah. and political sensitivities, and even his comments toward the end of our talk about how England is going to need the Lutherans in their looming conflict with the Holy Roman Empire, and how he doesn't want the delegates to do anything to compromise that. I I think that's interesting, because it's easy for us to imagine that historical theology is nothing but a kind of isolated, disinterested, contemplative effort that has no view toward social or political concerns. And in fact, even on even things like how the delegates conduct themselves and register opinions at the Synod of Dort are not completely shorn of those concerns. Yeah, no, I think it's one of the most striking features about the Reformation era. Well, in any case, thank you for listening to Theology on the Go. As always, I want to remind you that this podcast and everything that the Alliance does is only possible because of the support of listeners like you. So if you'd like to support the Alliance or Theology on the Go, you can go to placefortruth.org 
and click on the donate link or alliancenet.org and do the same thing. Also, for listening today, we'd like to offer you the opportunity to get a special free book from us. The book is entitled, What is Perseverance of the Saints? And it's in the Basics of the Reformed Faith series, and it's by Michael Milton. So if you'd like to get that, you can go to placefortruth.org, click on the Theology on the Go link. There will be a link for you to enter to win What is Perseverance of the Saints? As always, thank you for listening to Theology on the Go, a brief interview about an eternal truth.